just bringing it back from complex to simple. The title can scare people. And I just go back, let's go back from complex. Let's bring it, depending where you're at, let's go right back to simple. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. So hey everyone, welcome to today's decision table where ironically the tables are turned. (laughs) And uh, today I've got uh, the fabulous, fantastic Kira Marie Moore, who is going to be a guest on the decision table. Now. Feels a bit uncomfortable being the guest on the decision table. Yeah, usually when you're the host, it's like, you know, you kind of like call the shots, you're on the show. But sit back and relax, Kira Marie. This is going to be fun. Okay, it's, cool. Yeah. Well, Excellent. Me, <laughs> I'm a bit nervous what questions you might ask me. <laughs> well, look, you know, let's, let's just have a conversation and see where it goes, you know. That, okay, cool. What these things are about, right? Yeah. We're talking, you know, this month we're, we're talking about the muscle of human intelligence, right? Mm. Uh, and that's that's been a concept that we've been – discussing for some time behind the scenes as well. But let me just ask you, when you're talking about the muscle of human intelligence, what does that look like for you? Yeah. What does that actually mean? Well, for me, the muscle of human intelligence is uh, the most simple way for me to explain it is that it's the data in which you have as a human. And I Mm. think that uh, what we do with that data, how we use that data, uh, how we can make sure that that data is giving us the results. That's kind of the fun piece. And that's where all this work comes out of uh, being able to use the muscle of human intelligence. Where, where do you see would be the major applications of this muscle itself? Where, where do you see it to be the most beneficial? So the muscle of human intelligence. So using human intelligence as part of your, you know, input, output, uh, it's an interesting concept in itself, I think. Uh, Where you use that the most is in every day. Like I seriously think that all it is is around humans starting to make smarter decisions, Mm. starting to, I think that there's a lot about human race where we've forgotten to think for ourselves. And so it's humans that are starting to think for themselves Mm. and then, uh, you know, make smarter decisions that then has a different output or impact, as we would say. I like how you just went down that path that as human beings, we've we've kind of lost that, almost that ability to make smarter decisions for ourselves. I wouldn't mind digging into that a little bit deeper and actually asking you, why do you think that's happened? And when do you think that happened, that we actually lost that ability to decide for ourselves? Yeah, so I think there's a fair few things that come into play here. I think the the fact that as humans we never like confrontation. We don't like when things are difficult. We don't we don't tend to go, oh yay, it's a challenge. Let's go and be challenged and let's live in a challenge today because that sounds really awesome. You know, like that is not the norm. And so uh, in this case, I would say that humans tend to walk away from things that are harder Mm. and we go where it is easy and this is not an easy thing it's not a because maybe you have to own something maybe you have to even become aware of something maybe 
you have to have to do it differently and that can be really uncomfortable right like standing mm-hmm. out from the crowd doing things differently maybe even you having to learn a different skill a different way to disrupt that pattern and as human beings we tend to run away from things like that as human beings we want it we go where's that button or that secret pill that we can take that then gives us the ability to express pathway to where we want to go and that's yeah yeah. that's not always a um a great you know like it's it's often the quickest way to get to places but it's not most beneficial and i think that there's a lot of that i think there's a lot of humans that have it's so again it makes it easier that you kind of go well the system has created it this way so that's what we do that's how we do it and i think that that's that's where it's so much easier not to go against a system that has already mm-hmm. been established. And so, uh, and, and you know, you you might be the only one that feels this or, and I'm sure you're not. Here's the thing, I'm sure you're not. Uh, but as humans, we go with a crowd rather than going as with the few. Like it just tends to be the way that it happens, right? It's like fear of missing out. If I don't go with the crowd over here, then maybe, uh, you know, I'm going to miss out on something. And 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 here's the other piece. I think it's much harder uh, when you're going in pathways that are not necessarily the pathways everyone else knows. So let me ask you this, because I, I, I think that's a really interesting point you raised, is that as humans, we're very tribal. You know, we, we like going with a crowd because there's safety in numbers, there's safety in our tribes, right? I think that's kind of hardwired into our DNA in many aspects. But when it comes to actually that ability to think beyond you know beyond the tribe and beyond the community and beyond the safety do you think our ability to do that has been impacted by our environment uh do you think our ability to stop taking those decisions and exercising that muscle of human intelligence is because of where we are at this particular point in time or is that also something which innately what makes us human I think it's a combination. And here's the thing, there's there's never ever, and this is what I truly believe, is that there is never ever one fix fixes all. There's not one thing that will work for everybody because there's so many other variables, yet we have systems set up for one thing. We say this is the model to go and do because this will work. Well, yeah, maybe if that's you know exactly what is needed and that is how it works in our world but there's always variables and i think when you think for yourself as a human you get to start investigating what these variables are and taking into consideration and using that data to make better decisions and i think that our environments in this way has created it for us to be get lazy to go you know what it's much easier if we just put this input in and then we get that output and yeah. or we rely on um ai to help us or a piece of technology or a system or a process or other people who have done it the same way and we just do it because we don't know what the other options are because we're not thinking so much as humans and i think that there's there's i think this is detrimental to the human race i think that um it's there's a cost to it there's a cost to it because uh we are relying on whoever created that piece of ai 
to mm. make those decisions for us. We're creating on systems of whatever it was when those systems were put in place to still be a truth now in and to to move forward in and we're relying that everyone knows best what is best for us as individuals and then what we're doing but that's not always the case and i don't think that ever has been the case is it like if, if we're constantly relying on others to kind of direct and guide our life then we're surrendering that ability to think that's what i see it as and the way i'm looking at it right now i think that's always been the way that human nature has been like from you know a primal days if you if you're a, a you know a believer in evolution we've always been creating tools and manipulating our environment to suit us whereas when we look at the rest of nature they're revolving with the environment to suit the changing circumstances the geographies the climate everything like that humans are unique that way but is this uniqueness and this you know this ability to think actually now kind of cannibalizing itself Totally, because here's the thing, here's the thing, and this gets me irritable because I think as humans we are not, and this is why I think that leadership should be a continuous evolving journey, that we have got to get back to that of where we we are okay to evolve. We're okay to make mistakes. We're okay to go through challenges and work through those challenges and then and learn from those so that we can springboard forward. I, I think that there's so much fear of us evolving because there's a lot of uncertainty when you evolve. There's those those opportunities for something different to happen. Mm. And as humans, we tend to go back to what is comfortable, what is the norm, yeah. what is the thing that we know. And, and I think that we were given so many brain cells and we don't even use you know like we only use a tiny amount of those what if we were able to access more of that uh how good would that be like that is data that is already in your dna that you can now link into and i think that that there's so much strength and power and yeah. i think you know and i always say this that it's the secret advantage to growth in in you know in all that we do and say as a human race and you know whatever that calling is that you are called to do in life i, I love i love that because you're right we are only just using a portion of our brains yeah. and that's that's interesting because i know they were saying that einstein would use about 10 percent of his brain and he was probably yeah. one of the most intelligent people we know so imagine what that other 90 percent could have brought to the table if he knew how to access that and i really yeah. learned this i learned this because you know you know ethan he was born with half his brain brain damage speckles on the other side mm. and when i when i was told in in um you know when he was still inside of me at 28 weeks mm. that this was the case i went immediately back to that concept that thing that I'd been told, we have all these brain cells that I could never understand, by the way. We had all these brain cells, but people didn't access them. And I go, what if we start accessing that? Yeah. What possibility does that bring? What is opportunity will that now allow us as a human race? And I and I used that in the scenario with Ethan because I was like, okay, so you're telling me that that half of his brain is brain damaged and speckles yeah. on the other side. But where there's no speckles there is potential for us to link into that dna and start 
um, you know, gathering data, putting data into it, because he had to put some data in there, by the way, mm -hmm. because here was the thing. They were right that the side that he spoke on was totally brain damaged. But he now, like putting that data into there, allows us to then, um, you know, access data that's in there now, but rejig the, the cord, you know, the lead to where it was into before and put it into that. And he, I mean, you've seen him on the decision table. He has a voice yeah. and he yeah. doesn't hold back on it. See, that, that's that's amazing. So you, you've given us an example of how you can tap into that. And I think yeah. there's two questions which are coming to mind and they're kind of both interrelated is that, is it that we don't know how to tap into that, that extra part of our brain or is it that we don't want to tap into that extra part of the brain? Um, I think there's two. I think that you bring up great points on that, that there's two, there's two sides. Again, yeah. humans, when it's uncertain, when it's something new, when it's, when there's even power involved in it, it can be a scary concept. Why would we go there? And yeah. here's the other thing, like, unless it's proven, how do we know that this works? Well, there's so many different ways in which I see it in play and I've seen it so powerfully used in the work mm. that I do. You know, I've been caught into um, like some pretty full-on, you know, emergencies and uh, right from a guy who had a gun who was going to go shoot someone else and you've got to understand within a couple of hours for him to rejig the pattern of, hey, I want to go shoot someone because they've done me wrong and I can't handle this any longer to going, hey, guess what? I actually have a future. I have a hope and this is not going to give me the future or the hope that I want for the pathway forward. Within yeah. two hours, he switched from that and absolutely, um, you know, has never gone back on that. Now, another situation was a guy that has worked for our, uh, you know, he was a uh secret intelligence guy, uh, went underground for two years, got so dark. That's what he kept saying, dark, 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 and literally was at that point of no return. And, mm. uh, you know, when you had, I saw you on your phone just a second ago, when you have a phone, um, you weren't allowed to have the phones in the room when I was working with them. You he, you had to have it outside. If we went outside, we'd bring all our equipment inside. So yeah. that's how that's how like dark he was about everything and what is happening with us and yeah. and who's doing what, where, how, all that sort of thing. Well, um, you know, within like it was just so powerful within a VIP day with me, he turned it around and he goes, I know how I'm going to be the light to the world. I know how to live a life that I am wanting to live and I'm not afraid of this. And it's those moments that you go, you can't deny it, but it's not necessarily things that are what we've learned as feedback to giving us the data that this is a thing that is working. And I think that's the difficulty sometimes when you're working in a field where although we've got a lot of data around how it's been so powerful for people, it's not like you can say because you're now making smarter decisions because you're using the muscle of human intelligence that you are now, you've, you've quadrupled your bottom line, right? It's those kind of things that make this difficult. So humans want to know, mm -hmm. if I'm going to go down this pathway with you, 
I want to know what am I getting from this? And I think yeah. that that sometimes is the tricky piece when it's a new thing. And so mm. humans won't necessarily go that way. I know that was a long-winded to that particular piece of that question. But I think that that's so important to understand that yeah. when it is uh, the tricky piece of something new, humans want others to go first. Yeah. To, right. to experience it and then I'll see if that worked for them and and so it's not the norm right and I can't remember there was another piece to that and I can't remember what that was well we were talking about do they want to or is it just they're not able to yeah so yeah. then it's oh yeah. and no the other piece was um do they know how to and yeah, I think that yeah and I think that that's the piece of course uh, it's a new thing. It's a skill to learn. There's things to learn about it. There's ways to to work out what your patterns are. And I mean, I've been fascinated with that for many years, particularly when I started with youth. And it really, uh, you know, many, many years ago, I would work with street kids, um, gangs, uh, the real low social echo, um, you know, sort of front line of humanity kind of people right and and when that happened uh it was awesome when you're there when you put on these programs when you're the one motivating and exciting people yeah and i just thought well what happens when you're not there and i would hear these stories of young people going back to their old ways going back to what they didn't want to now that they knew there was a different option they didn't want to go back there but you, when your default DNA is linked into that piece, it's always going to go back to your default. And so there's so much to, yeah, like there's a skill to it. There's a mastery of it. Um, and like any muscle, if we don't use it, guess what? It fatigues. It, yeah, it wears out. It's, you know, like there's ways to do it and ways not to do it. That's 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 a really really important thing because you, we're talking about it as the muscle of human intelligence. Mm -hmm. So, like any any muscle, it needs to be used, it needs to be stretched, it needs to be rested, it needs yeah. to be fueled. Yeah, correct. And that's why I'm so so strong on it being a muscle, because yeah. having been in the fitness industry, I know all about muscles. And with my own physical journey, the importance yeah. of being able to work through that not against it and and so there's just so much to it and our brain is a precious part of our 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 body that you know we've got to look after just as much as everything else um and it's one of the reasons i'm always looking for hacks to do life easier because i know stress is not a good thing and i've not always been good at managing stress and and I realized I needed to do that better as I as I as my capacity was as I wanted to grow my capacity I had to learn how to lessen some of those things and at first that was not an easy thing much easier now much easier let me ask you a question on something you mentioned a little bit earlier is that we were talking about people would like to see they don't always want to be the first to do something because of the yeah. discomfort factor. I want to take this to that next level where sometimes, and I like to think of myself in this category, and I'm sure you do too, is that we're so far ahead of our time that no one gets it, yeah? Um, and that's like the that, that muscle of human intelligence where you can see things when you can identify, you know, new patterns, new opportunities, you know, new ways of thinking. 
you know, new paradigms literally is what you're seeing. But other people are just like, oh my gosh, like either you're mad or you're just way ahead of your time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to ask about that? I can just no. talk so long about that because I, you know, this is where I believe it's pioneer, pioneering leadership, right? And what yeah. I'm doing yeah. right now. And all I can say is if you're willing to step out into something different, it's always going to be a a lonely journey yeah until you can start communicating what that looks like and i think that that was the difficulty in my journey at first was i knew that and i could see these patterns of what was starting to evolve and what what i could see with certainty was working yeah but then i had to prove it i had to test and measure it a lot and then i had to figure out what was it that actually happened and how did that happen and that is kind of geeky and i had to go into a very geeky space of my life and get lost in there and then come back and go how do i communicate that to the world and what does that look like and that is kind of firstly you have to believe in yourself so much yeah, and yeah. that has been a you know i've not always believed in myself i've not always known that i could do things i i definitely didn't think i was a smart person for many many years because i didn't grow up in an environment where they said hey by the way Kira marie you are so smart you can do whatever you want to you can be whatever you want to i wasn't brought up in that i was actually brought up way the opposite and yeah. so all those patterns that things like those being spoken into your life or mm, then mm. it gets into your dna i had to disrupt that interrupt it and then uh you know change it and so i've yeah. had to learn i've had to learn to believe in myself i've had to go you know what don't give everyone else a hard time because they're not coming with you on that journey and understand that maybe it's because they have no idea what i'm talking about how what i'm even thinking and maybe i'm not even talking their language right and yeah. i realized i wasn't for a long time and and then it was really important to go okay now i know what i'm about i know what i stand for i know what that yeah. looks like yeah. i know what the muscle of human intelligence is and how to work it and to you know really master it then then how do i now communicate that and bring it back into into the space of you know to help others to be able to use it and exercise it right i'm glad that we're having this conversation now because if it was you know even a few hundred years ago people yeah. who thought like this would be persecuted i mean we look at people like da vinci we took galileo but we have been, like i'm even persecuted to this day like seriously yeah, yeah and I, was going to say, I think the persecution still exists it's just with, different it's just a different thing but yeah you're not kind of being put to death over it like you know you become no. as a witch or a sorcerer or Correct. you know just insane i mean as i said look look at look at galileo who, who said that you know when we don't live in a, a geocentric heliocentric universe the universe doesn't revolve around us and he was you know he was, he was blasphemy right we look at da vinci who's designing submarines and airplanes and stuff in the renaissance and you know it didn't come into its into its fold until the you know the the, the mid 20th century um but you look at people like nikola tesla who's talking about you know uh, transmitted electricity 
uh, who is deemed absolutely erratic and lunatic. And now we're talking about people thinking, wow, imagine if we could implement Tesla stuff. Um, this is the type of thing is that you're at a point where when you're that far ahead, you are being kind of persecution now is different. It's almost ostracism. Yeah. yeah? It's oh, almost it's totally, no longer, totally. no longer totally acceptable. Yet intelligence is something that I find in today's community, people aren't valuing it. Uh, yeah. They're doing other things. Uh, and so for hyper-intelligent people, uh, and especially for people who have got that muscle of human intelligence exercised at stretching and have bulked it up, how do they work in today's society? Because it, as you said, it's an, it's a lonely game, right? Leadership can be lonely, but yeah. they shouldn't have to be. So yeah. how can we get more of these, these geniuses together? And I say geniuses like this, not in the derogatory sense, but that's the only word I've got to describe people who mm. think that. Yeah. Yeah, I always talk about it's being in your genius zone. And so when you're really mastering the human intelligence, you're able to really access your genius. And 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 that's what I love about it is your genius is so unique. It's mm. different to the person down there. And so out of that, the the opportunity to then innovate new solutions to to help you know, narrow, always talking about this, but narrowing the gap from problem to solution, right? Like I love the fact that we can be genius in our own genius zone because mm -hmm. if if I'm being that, you're being it, then there's possibility for us to come up with something different. I think what scares me the most at the moment of what's happening across the world uh, is the fact that we are so so pushing against people to think differently to act differently yeah. and this and it's so uncomfortable when you do and and I get it it's it's not fun being in a in a place where you have to uh maybe have different people from different cultures different thinkings different education um, you know, they bring all those variables that I talked about earlier on to the table. And I think that the interesting but difficult thing about this is that when you bring that, you have different ways you communicate. So you might be hearing what I'm saying right now. How you're translating that could be really different to what I'm actually trying to say here. And I think that it's it's so easy when it's new. Mm. And someone's got something different to say it's easier to push back on that and say hey they're just trying to push against the system they're just trying to disrupt and i hated the word disruption for so long for this reason because to me i was always called a rebel because i thought differently i i didn't do things the same way yeah. and so when when people used to say you're like a disruptor i hated that word and I hated using disruption, even though that was literally what I'm fascinated with, which is disrupting patterns. Yeah. And it's not because I'm trying to be a rebel. It's because actually what I want to figure out is how can we get the result we want, the success at the table that we want, make better decisions because we know how to wire to something that's going to give us a pattern that then gives us the the behaviors and the results, right? And so that that's kind of weird thinking, but it's 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 how I've thought. It's it's what's created the IP that I teach the, these days. Mm. And going back to it, it's not always been accepted. I can tell you a story of a she's a very 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 well known woman in the USA, 
and I won't say her name, but um, I'll never forget. I'll never forget how she literally said, I just don't understand you. Why, why, you know, she came up to me one day and she said, I just don't understand you. And I go, okay. And she said, and I don't understand why you just won't answer questions or you won't stand up and talk in front of everyone. And firstly, when she said that, I said, well, I'll speak when I think people are willing to listen to what I've got to say. Mm -hmm. I won't speak if I don't feel like I'm going to add value to the room. And so I will keep quiet. But if I feel that I've got something here to add value, then I will speak up, not a problem. I have no problem speaking up. But I said, I also won't just give you what everyone else is answering because if everyone's answering that and wanting to hear that, then why would I spend energy on yeah. answering just the same way as everyone else? And she goes, wow, you're really weird. But I'm starting to like the weird. And that was the end of that. And I remember saying to a person that actually was in the room at the time, and she was like, are you going to let her get away with that? And I said, yeah, because I said, watch this space. One day she's going to come back. One day she's going to come back into my world and start wanting to know. Do you know before, like the, sorry, just after the pandemic had sort of hit the world, I happened to be in a group that she was running and she called me out and she said, I just want to say, that I didn't understand Kerry Marie, but I'm beginning to understand her. Mm, and I mm. realized that she was in front of the times, that she's ahead of where we're at and we are just starting to catch up now. And that is hard, right? How do you connect with people that maybe don't sound like you, that maybe they don't, um, they don't say it like you do or they might... They might ask questions, um, not because they want the answer that you're used to, but because they t they actually are curious. And that's that's me. And it was like it doesn't fit into the norm. It doesn't fit into how we've done it in the past. And because of that, it causes, like I said, it causes um, isolation. It causes that people think you're disrupting um yeah. people don't understand what you're saying and so they kind of go we don't value what you bring um there's a whole lot of things and it's yeah. you know it's been such a journey for me um and and it's and it's i'm hearing it more and more from amazing global leaders who want to sort of break out of what people have known them as to start going, actually, this is what I really want to be known for. How do I bring this into it? Right. Yeah. 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 I I um I so resonate with what you said there. Um, having kind of been through that myself, right? And you know, it's not to kind of toot my own horn, thinking that I'm a genius. I, I know quite honestly that my thinking is so different from everyone else's. Mm. But here's what I'm finding: it's systemic. The discrimination against intelligence is actually systemic. Yeah. Our education system isn't equipped to handle uh, people who think outside the square. Yeah, uh, our social system, our political system. But what is that square? What is that box? What is who put it there? Right. I don't know who put it there, but it's just it's kind of holding us <laughs> prisoner. 
right? It's a good question. Who did put it there? Is it by social agreement? Is it is it by social norm? But it, it is that I, I honestly feel that this this type of intelligence, this type of thinking, um, there's a systemic unacceptance of it. Right? Yeah. Like, no, no, no one wants you to think that differently. They want you to conform, and conformity is something that Ethan was speaking about the other day. Mm. Um, and and I, you know, what he said just kind of like hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, that conformity is 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 one of the the limitations to human evolution, yeah. especially the evolution in thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From a mother's point of view, how have you seen that? Yeah, I look so many cases, I guess, and. You know, one being going back to Ethan, I could have conformed to what the world said to do it medically. And every time I did, we had disaster zones. And so I had to really research different. I always, you know, and this is part of what I work on, but like, I think that there's such an ecosystem to anything and everything we do. And that's us yeah. personally. It's us as we should be thinking that in the in as a um in in companies and organizations and the way that we're creating things, that we are not just one pathway to get to the result we want. Yeah. And in the case of Ethan, it was very easy for me to conform to what what the medical was saying this is the only option and and it started right when he was a little baby and i'll i'll never forget this moment because i'm i'm one of those chicks that go breastfeeding is a good thing for your baby and so i get it when you can't do it i i'm i'm not hassling anyone in that way but for me it was something i always wanted to do for my baby so when he was born i was like pumping out this milk because i always thought i'd be breastfeeding at some stage and I realized that I was pumping out this milk and we were putting this formula into him. Mm. Well, it wasn't even a formula. It was just like, it, I don't know what it was really. But, um, and and I just go to them, uh, when am I going to be like switching out from this, whatever you're putting in there with all the chemicals and things like that to the, I said like, if we don't even think that he's going to make it beyond, like you didn't even think he was going to make birth. I yeah. think he can make it, and I just set 10 years was my first goal, right? He's going to make it to at least 10 years of age. That was my first sort of, you know, goal. And I remember them saying to me, oh, we think it's going to blow his um, stomach up if we, we put milk in. And I said, so what have you got to back that up? And they said, well, actually, we don't. But because you understand, Ethan was born, uh, well, actually, while he was in inside of me, he had, his stomach was bigger than his head. So oh, they right. had to actually take mm-hmm. out a liter of um, fluid out of him before, yeah. while he was inside. And so he he came out like with this massive swollen stomach, right, full of fluid. And so they were worried if they put um, milk in there, that's going to mix with that, that's going to blow him up. And I go, so what, what what research do you have on this? Like what backing do you have this to this data that you bring to the table right now? And they go, we don't. We just don't know. Wow. And I realized that day that I had to become his advocate and I yeah. had to go research and, and I couldn't find anything else, but I could see 
that the benefits came when you used your breast milk and the benefits, the best benefits for him would be to get the nutrients that I was going to be able to provide by giving that good milk, right? So I did that. And guess what? His stomach didn't blow up. Look, it was such a journey and it was only the start of it. Um, and later we found he was allergic to so many things and goat's milk was the only solution. Um, much later, much later, by the way, this was like a year later or something. Um, or no, maybe even just in the months. Um, but anyway, what was interesting about it was I could have listened to that. I chose not to. I did my own research, couldn't see any other, like, and I said, so if I don't do it now, does that yeah. mean he'll always be tube fed for the rest of his life? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, I'd rather give it a go now and try to, like, we're not actually, because he wasn't thriving. He screamed. He was, he was miserable for the first two years of his life. It was, it was like, he just literally screamed. 24-7. And uh, so in his case, I then, um, I go, okay, let's just give him a little bit. Oh, it didn't blow him up. Oh, I can now do that and I don't need a tube feed him. Let's get him um, without that. And so that began it. And I think that this is where we, are. it's so easy to think and trust that others know better than you. And maybe, just maybe, you've actually got some really important data in your head. And I think part of having human intelligence is this intuition or the gut that, you know, that gut feel mm. um, is when you trust the data that has been put into your head and know how to trust that data, then, um, then we can, you know, bring that data out and use it for, for things that maybe are different and get a different result. Mm. Yeah. So I know that's long-winded, but like it taught me a lot that one moment and and to trust. And I became very much I would I'd be in the ICU and no word of a lie, the professor would know that I was on there and he would have students and he'd bring the students into the ICU to have conversation with me to talk about my thinking and my insights around yeah, how yeah. how and what and things like that. So I know that. You know, when you've got the muscle of human intelligence, you ask me the question, who does this re relate to? It relates to anyone, any industry, anything that you're doing. Um, it's it's us as humans thinking smarter, doing making better decisions. From what I'm, and I, I love this story. I, lo I love hearing that journey. It is yeah. just so awesome. It's so inspiring too. But, you know, the biggest takeaway for me, just, just by listening to that, is conformity is actually the, the dampener for the for, for exercising that muscle of human intelligence yeah. and conformity i mean there's there's been numerous stories and anecdotes and stuff like that around conformity we all know conformity doesn't work yet we're too scared to step outside of that box yeah. I, I postulate there's probably two reasons i think there's two reasons why a as i said i don't think we know how to and b we're too scared yeah mm. and i think fear plays a massive massive role in it because we don't want to be different different seen as weird different scene is not good right yeah um i didn't, I didn't like being different no. and in fact you know even to this day 
there's moments when I go, I just want to be like everyone else. Like I said that to you yesterday. Like, um, you know, sometimes I just want to think like everyone else. I don't want to think different. I, I don't want to know that if we do it this way, that there's other ways that we could actually think of and get different results. And, and so, yeah, I don't, it's not always comfortable. Like I always talk about the fact that we need to be comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. For me, I've, I, I learned that power of that because I had to have many uncomfortable conversations with myself because I didn't know who else could talk to me in that way. Right. Like, and go, oh, Hey, Kira Marie, are you thinking, and this is what I've done. Are you thinking so crazy? Um, you know, I've I've had the privilege to connect with Richard Branson a few times, and I I really love and respect the guy. I never wanted to meet him because I thought he was a legend. Because I actually thought the opposite, um, and that's I let my biases come into that. But um, when I connected with him, I realized he's just such an amazing guy, and I love yeah. it every time I get to hang out with him. But he was one of the biggest lessons. He, you know, it was. It was the very first time I met him. Um, I was on Necker Island, so the island that he owns and this is his home. And uh, there were two particular times there that just made such a difference to to me. And I think that it's I use this a lot even now when I feel uncomfortable, when it's not, when it's, you know, I've got to be in those uncomfortable moments. And you know, he he just came out of the, we'd been in a leadership meeting and I'd come out and I was with a few people, but we were mm -hmm. kind of to the side and out of the bush. This is the sort of thing Richard does. Out of the bush, out of nowhere, he just jumped out and he looked me straight in the eye, Nikhil. He looked me in the eye and he goes, you. And he whacked me on the arm because that's the kind of thing that we were, we were just mucking around with each other. And he goes, you. And he just said, you are amazing. That was it. That was it. And for me, that was like, you know, when the Pope kind of anoints you or it was one of those moments because I had shared my heart and soul on what I was thinking for mm, mm, me. And so I began to see myself from that moment onwards. Yeah. So that was one. And the second one was, like, I was like, I've got all this craziness, the way that I think of ecosystems, and, like, I don't even know where all this came from. I don't even really know what I'm talking about, but I know it's real, and I know, you know, and I was starting to doubt myself big time, and it was one of the reasons I connected with Richard. And he just said to me, you know, when I asked him, hey, you must get all these opportunities. You must think of all these companies. What can you do? How do you do that? And he, and he just didn't hesitate. He said, Kiri Murray, I don't go, what do I do? I go, who do in my world do I know that can do this piece, that piece, that one? And it was like this moment that I go, all this, these things, yeah. all these amazing, <laughs> and you know my world, there are so many pockets, so, so much that makes this ecosystem. I yeah. realized it was not all about me. <laughs> it's about who in my world is going to come on this journey and how do we now mm -hmm. play that out and and make these this change happen. And so those two things were massively powerful in just knowing that even though I felt crazy a lot of the time, mm -hmm. I wasn't crazy. 
In fact, I was right on it. And so sometimes when I start doubting myself or like hitting against a wall because it's just like it's that old style versus new thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and I'll go to someone really smart and I'll go, hey, am I just being really crazy right now? Or am I actually like, does this make sense? Should I, you know, is there something I'm missing? And so I now know ways to to keep me on track on that way. But it's yeah, that's that's a tricky piece when when it is pioneering, when it is doing things differently, when it yeah. sort of bumps against the norm. All yeah. those things that we've talked about. And I, I look at that when you're saying it, and there's people out there who were feeling the same, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't mind taking a couple of, you know, a couple of moments now, Kirimu, to look at the mm-hmm. how you're bridging the gap between the problem out there where people are awesome thinkers, but they're kind of isolated. And I wouldn't mind looking at how you're bridging the gap to that solution, um, you know, because you're doing some awesome things. And at least over the last 30 couple of days, um, you know, you've been talking with some incredible thinkers, some amazing leaders out there. Um, and I know there's a bunch of people out there who are asking, Kira Marie, I love your stuff. How do we, how do we do more of this? How can we get involved? Yeah. How can we connect? How can we, you know? And you're doing some amazing stuff around that. I'd, I'd love for you to share with the people out there more about this. Yeah. So thank you. Um, here's here's the interesting thing. Like an ecosystem means that there's different pathways people can come into. Do you remember reading the books when you were little, um, or younger, or teenager, or whatever, where like you would you'd read a book and you'd choose which. I mean, you'd start the book and you choose which pathway you wanted to go down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The choose your own yeah. adventure books, right? Yeah, I kind of think of that in our world like that, that it's like the adventure, like which pathway do you want to choose? And so depending who you are and what what you do, there are different pathways to come, come down it. And I think that, you know, one of the things I do is I work with extremes and because of that, there's extremes, you know, from, from global leaders with huge movements to, um, you know, like having conversations with former presidents of countries or nations and, and you know, to the literally the front line of humanity. And so many would think that that gap is, is, is huge, right? And so I think that that's, that, that has been a tricky piece because I've gone, how do you, how do you make sure that you're not leaving pe- people behind on the journey? Mm, mm. And so I've worked very, very hard to make sure that there's many different steps. So I think the first spot for those that are maybe just entering into this world, you know, I created what we call the 1% movement. And because I think that it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're like the global leader from the the person who is just trying to figure out how do I be a leader? How do I step into leadership? What does leadership look like for me, right, as an individual? And uh, and so, what, you know, the 1% movement was brought out onto this going, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, but if you want to shift the, the problem from problem to solution, if you want to be a part of that, you can come on board so you know people come on board with the one percent 
And then I wanted to go, you know, and you know this, that I was writing, I began writing on my travels across the globe. And part of that was, um, you know, my biggest insight around that was before the pandemic, isolation was creating a whole lot of damage and destruction mm-hmm. within not just leadership, but within culture like humanity, right? going forward and so I realized that isolation was a huge issue and I thought well what would be the solution what would be the solution to isolation and and I really believe collaboration is the solution to to uh isolation and so I was Mm -hmm. like well as a company how can we be the example, the role model to to really not just saying that collaboration is is the answer, but like bringing that as a solution? And so we really we learned that the best way we could do that is through partnerships. And so we've got three different partnerships levels of how people can come in through the door through that and one of them is the joint ventures and so we will be releasing in the near future the global training lab and so um you know i want this to be a place where we are inclusive to all different ways of learning how to be a better leader so all things leadership development and i think you know, there's so much of an array of how we can do this depending. And it's those variables. What do you need right now? And I want it to be kind of that place that people could go to. And so that's the joint venture side of it. Then there's the middle piece, which is collaborative partnerships. And I always think of this as using a platform that you've built together or you're building together or coming together on a platform. And then how do you now bring that into a community and it might be one that we've already set up like human connection or it could be a a different one that you're bringing in together depending what part that is and then how does that play out to helping to you know I'm always into economic growth and culture impact like what how does that create that difference that we want there and then of course it's the investor and equity partnerships really helping to um you know help others to be able to do this as well and so that has been an amazing part of of what we've had to really shift as really great touch points and then of course there's a few little other um pieces and 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 you know i say pieces because i I go in initiatives right um because it depends what it is people are looking for it's that pathway again right like what is i'm always looking for how can i help people to be more effective in doing that in a bigger and better way like you grow your capacity in that way and so i'm always looking to how we can create something that is going to be Uh, helping the collective and part of this is the conversations we're having now on the decision table it's part of that is then bringing that into uh you know having spaces with um yeah with with where we're going but i think the the most proudest piece i i have to say last year for us as a company was the global human intelligence forum because that was kind of like the space in which we started as a collective 
to see that this mm. is important to use and to exercise the muscle of human intelligence. And, you know, again, I look forward to that this year, the first week of June, for us to be running that again. And, the, the you know, the whole theme around that again this year is the ability, you know, the theme is the ability to learn, to understand and to evolve in leadership and i think that this is going to be so juicy and so much fun yeah. Um, yeah. and i think that that's that's what's fun is that we can enjoy this journey we can evolve together i don't have all the answers i don't i'm not the smartest cucumber out there um you know like literally but i'm willing to keep learning and figuring out how to you know hack mm. our brain better so that we can be more effective and and really use our effectiveness intelligences um and and then you know i also think that it's so fun because as a collective we can kind of be learning together as well and i think you know we've got to get past that this is this is an isolation thing that you're doing these things on your own because there's other people who are doing new things there's other people who are wanting to have new conversations there are other people who want to see different results and and that's the exciting piece there are and and that's what we're trying to do a lot of is how do we collect as a collective how do we connect all those people into one yeah. spot that we can have more powerful conversations that we can have you know innovative spaces mm -hmm. where we can learn new things and you know i'm working on um because it's something that i love doing uh i'm going to be literally putting out word if anyone wants to connect on on coming in on what i call the the um the growth incubator cycles and i think that they are that's so exciting because if we really truly are to bring sustainable that doesn't always happen overnight it, it's it's often things that you've got to work on things that you've got to keep working on um yeah. it might be that project that you never get around to but you want to you want to play and and, and do well i want to run these cycles that people can come in and be a part of. So I know it works well in my life and, and with the, the clients that I have in that way. And now I want to do it in, in ways that others can join in as well and be a part of that. Yeah, that's amazing. Cool. So how else can people connect with you? How else can people? You know... Yeah, so you've got the 1% movement is the best spot for anyone to connect with me. Um, so and... People can get involved there. Yeah, that'd be cool yeah like go become an, one of the awesome humans that that put their name up on there as a human that wants to do their one thing you know my one thing is to get a thousand names on the wall of humanity that's what it's called and uh that's what we want people to do is and then start coming on that journey with us reach out like i'm i'm on social media so i'm around so you're on facebook you're on linkedin you're on yeah kind of kind of i'm around but you know the other thing is well connect on the decision table like we're everywhere on the decision table so you know this yeah. is a great spot too um a lot of people just reach out as well so yeah, yeah. i'm around yeah. i'm here yeah so we're not far from the top of the hour now Kimberly. yes just want to do a bit of a a bit of a pearl of wisdom type drop right now mm -hmm. before we go into that we've covered a lot today we've covered 
uh, basically exercising the brain of human intelligence. We've talked about, um, you know, conformity. We've spoken about the evolution versus, uh, you know, uh, innate human condition. There's so much that we've covered and in such a short time. It just amazes me how much we've covered in, what, 55 minutes right now. What was your biggest takeaway from today's conversation? Um, my biggest takeaway is just bringing it back from complex to simple. I think, you know, the title can scare people, right? Yeah. The importance of human, the muscle of human intelligence. Dude, what is human intelligence? What is this muscle that I speak of? You know, <laughs> what is, you know, and, and I just go back. Let's let's go back from complex. Let's bring it, depending where you're at, let's go right back to simple. Simple is that it's the data that you yeah. have as an individual. And we can make a decision today what we want to do with that data, how we want to exercise that data, how what we're going to learn from that data, what we're going to leave behind from that data, and then what else, what else can we do to gather more data? That's going to be beneficial to where we want to go. And I know this sounds so simple, but I, I really, truly believe it's as simple as you want it to be. Yeah. And that as humans, we can often over, over confuse things, um, over complex things. And, you know, it, like this journey is for anyone and everyone that's willing to wanna, want to evolve in what you're doing. Yeah. That, that, and that's that's really what I loved about that too, is that this you know it's inclusive. It, it, you know you don't have to be alone. And my biggest takeaway from that, Kira, is that it's okay to think outside of the norm. It's okay to be super intelligent. There is nothing wrong. In fact, I think humanity needs it right now. Um, yeah. And so that's my biggest takeaway. It's okay to do you. It's okay to be you. If you're a super smart person out there, if you've got our ideas which the rest of society doesn't get. Um, and you might be ahead of your time, then yeah. you're not alone. And I think it's okay to do that. You know, what you've got to do is we've got to connect with more people like that so that they're supporting yeah. you, um, yeah. that they're able to foster that inner genius, your own unique genius, as you said. So can I was, can I ask you something about that though? Like yeah. I think is interesting is inclusion. Yeah. Like it's funny you brought that up, but I speak so much on it because we we know that word and I think this is this is the other thing that there's words and then we put our own belief or truth or perspective on that, right? And that's not necessarily what we're saying when we say that. And I think inclusion is such an interesting concept, so important, yet it's not done well. And if we were to do that better, how do we do that as smarter uh, humans of being inclusive? And I think, well, when we are confident with who we are, yeah. We are confident to bring what we have, even when it looks different. There already begins a, a, a what is it, a platform to yeah. start having different people involved in that conversation because you don't need to look like me to sound like me to be able to have that. And I think this is an interesting concept when you think of these big words that are thrown around, people are wanting to have inclusive culture, inclusive in the, in companies, be yeah. more inclusive yeah. in, in how they're building it out. Well, maybe if we had humans that were thinking for themselves, 
humans that were confident to think for themselves, humans that would bring their genius to the table, knowing that it may look different. I wonder how much more inclusive we would be. I think there needs to be a shift in what we, how we label inclusivity, right? I think yeah. our thinking, I say our thinking, but I'm, I'm talking as a collective humanity. I think our thinking yeah. of, of what inclusion is, is very limited. And I think, I believe we need to broaden that definition. It's not just around gender. It's not just around, uh, you know, sexual orientation. It's not just around uh, racial, uh, you know, identification. But I think it goes well beyond that. And we, we've only, only just started t touching on that as a as a collective species, mm -hmm. right? We literally yeah. at its infancy. There is so much more to that. I mean, I was consulting to a company a little while ago where they'd introduced a neurodiversity program. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. What is neurodiversity? And even while the idea sounded great, they were still very limited in their thinking around it. Mm -hmm. So we're really just at infancy. It's, it's a very exciting time if we as a collective species embrace this. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm all for inclusivity. I just think we need to think broader than just uh, what we can tangibly, physically touch and see, right? But here's the thing, just because you think that doesn't mean that it would be a thing. And I think that if humans could think for themselves better, yeah. Yeah. then it, they would see that this has such opportunity for possibility. And I think that that's the difference. I also think that all this allows people, humans, awesome humans, to have yeah. a voice. And they've not always had a voice at the table. And no, that yeah. is so important to me. And, you Love know, that. I think what it is is it gives you a voice when you know and how when you know how to master your human intelligence. Mm. Um, it gives you a, a voice to be able to voice the things that are important. You know, there were many things... And I say this a lot because, you know, I when you're talking global leadership landscape you you often mm. talk about some very very big problems facing the globe right now right. and and when you're speaking in that arena those problems can feel so major they can feel so big right exactly and and i think that the biggest way that we can start narrowing that is by having different conversations and that means that we have to have different people at the table, different distinctions, and we have to be able to give them a voice, even though we might not, uh, maybe are not used to it or even know how to do that. Let's begin to navigate that. And I think when you're confident um, to be able to stand strong in, in being able to exercise the muscle of human intelligence, this creates the opportunity for you to do this much more effectively and, and confidently. Even that uncertain ground, which is what a lot of people at this moment are really finding difficult. How do we navigate the uncertain pathway, knowing it's uncertain? How do we be certain with the uncertain, you know, kind of thing? Yeah, totally, totally. And I think the environment is, is quite ripe uh, for this conversation right now, given the fact that, you know, as, as a species, we are united by this global pandemic, and maybe we're not, but I, I like to think we are, that we're ready to... to we're either more united or more divided. I think it depends, divided. Who <laughs> it depends who you are. It depends who you are. But I, I think this is, um, 
you know, th this is a good opportunity for us as a species to have these conversations now because yeah. we need to think at a greater level. And I think people, you know, people are seeing that. They just don't know where to go. So that's, um, yeah, I, I just want to leave. That was my leaving thought. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what's, what's your parting thought, Kiramari? What's What word of wisdom, pearl of wisdom could you drop? Yeah, I guess mine is to give voice and, and advocate humans as stakeholders at the decision table is my parting thought. And I, I truly believe that the way that we can do that, one of the ways we can do that is by exercising what I think is the secret advantage, the muscle yeah. of human intelligence. That's awesome. I love that. Mm. Well, Marie, I think that brings us to the top of our hour. Thank you I so much. Yeah. So let me say thank you for being here and thank you for being a, a guest on the decision table. How random. <laughs> How random. I know. Uh, let, let, let me just take from you. At the mm. beginning of this conversation, you said that, you know, this was an uncomfortable time. Looking forward now, or look, looking where we are now, how do you feel? Yeah, I think I think what's uncomfortable about it is, is the fact that, you know, this is so dear to my heart. It's been a, a lot of years of, of mm. figuring out how to do this well, how to use it well. And I think there's so many things that can manipulate. There's so much that can can force us to go, well, this is the only system model um, framework to do it. And I just, I hope that people can see when, as we continue to bring this conversation throughout this month to the decision table, that really it's, there's so many variables there's so many pathways you can choose yeah but the good thing is we have a choice and and when you have a choice you can then make decisions to how that looks for you and i think that that's that's the exciting thing about this newness even though it's kind of uncertain how does this work what does this look like what is she talking about like you know all of last month was a new approach to leadership yeah. And there was so much in that. And, and it was amazing and so powerful for those that maybe missed any of those. Like they're all on the YouTube um, channel, like subscribe there, go check them out and make sure, you know, that you catch up on some of those ones. Because here's the thing, when you have these conversations with different people all the time, we get to learn. Yeah, and I love yeah. I love to learn, and I I want to keep learning till the day I die. I still want to be learning, like right up to the end. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.